This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in to a Thursday edition of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. And of course, on 106.7 FM, it is our final show of the month of June. We are officially halfway through the year 2022 as we turn the page to a brand new month tomorrow. Uh, But don't worry, we are going to manage to fit a ton of of news and information into this last show in the month of June because a lot happened yesterday uh, while Sam and I were out of office at the Kansas Association of Broadcasters Sports Seminar because, of course, when you take every sports sports show host, sports broadcaster in the state of Kansas and you put them all in one room, of course, big news breaks while we're all not doing our job that day while we're all taking a day for some professional development for some some just fun and and catching up it was our first event of that kind since pre-covid so it was just really good to get everyone together guys from not only here in salina but places like lawrence and coffeeville uh and there were folks from pratt i mean all over the state of kansas hayes like places that we don't regularly get to, but we all have these connections in our business, right? So we're all distracted and learning about what each of them does that's different in each of their markets, trying to bring other ideas to ourselves and to what we do. Everybody's phone starts exploding because the Big 12 made a hire officially for Brett Yormark, the Rock Nation COO, to replace Bob Bullsby as the next commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. So that was big, and obviously it then dominated the conversation, uh, even though there was still plenty of other stuff going on. K-State Basketball got another commitment. Lon Kruger got named to the College Basketball Hall of Fame, and and much, much more. So I'm going to try and touch a little bit of everything today. Also, I mentioned K-State basketball recruiting, but K-State football recruiting, there was a bit of a domino that fell yesterday as well. We'll get into that in later on in the show. But again, plenty of stuff happened yesterday uh, while I just wasn't ready to record a show. I was, I was busy learning about the business and, and everything, but that didn't stop us from talking about this this hire from the Big 12 and and let's start by backtracking just a little bit. It was reported earlier in the week that your mark was going to be the the front runner. It wasn't official, but he was the guy they were zeroing in on and he's a guy that's 55 years old and he's never worked in college athletics. So that raises a few questions, right? But it's a guy that has worked with the Brooklyn Nets and the Barclays Center for like 15 years now. He, he spearheaded their move from New Jersey to Brooklyn and moved them to this brand new arena, the Barclays Center. And he not only turned the Nets into this beast of the NBA that they are, not on 
really on the court as much as he had the hand in the development of the brand and the relocation and all this stuff. But he also had a hand in creating one of the most successful entertainment venues in the world. Barclays Center is like top 10 in the world for ticket sales and revenue. And, and that's because of Brett Yormark and the branding and the marketing and everything that he's had a hand in, all the way down to the literal design of the Barclays Center. He, he would do these walkthroughs throughout the construction process, like weekly. And he would go through every bathroom, every hallway, every nook and cranny, down to the paint color on the walls, whether or not that color was right. And he was a stickler for all of those details because he cared that deeply and wanted to turn it into this super successful venue. Well, that obviously worked because he moved up to co-CEO and eventually COO of Rock Nation for the efforts that he has put in through all these different areas of his career. And he's been so successful. And the reason for it is he's kind of a new new way thinker, right? Like he's he's not doing things the way people have always done them. And I think that's why the Big 12 was so high on this guy. Because this is not a time to do things the way they've always done them. It's a time for new ideas and new exploration and obviously new conference members and and soon new TV deals and all these different things and they wanted an outside the box thinker to come in to run this conference and help to create it into a, a conference that can really compete with the SECs and the Pac-12s and, and the, the Big Tens, really. I do think the Big 12 currently is in a better shape than the Pac-12 and, to an extent, the ACC. But when this television contract, the, the grant of rights, is up in 2025, when the Big 12 does officially lose Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, the Big 12 is going to need a big TV deal, a new TV deal, one that's going to bring revenue not only to the conference, but to the conference members and, and put money in their pockets, their revenue, so they can continue to expand and compete and invest in all of their athletics. But again, with Brett Yormark, this guy's got ties all over the place. It may not be college athletics, but he's got connections with Fox Sports. And I think that that helps because the Big 12 does, to an extent, have a relationship with Fox Sports. You see pretty frequently games on FS1 or games on the big noon Saturday event on Fox um, at, at 11 a.m. and all those different times. But I think that it may just be the connection to Fox that helps save the Big 12 and get them maybe a bigger payday. And it's all because of the connections of this guy, Brett Yormark. And I, I do think that it's been well received initially. There's been some guys to question it because he hasn't worked in college athletics before, but I think that's exactly the reason, like I said, the reason the Big 12 wanted this guy is because he's, he's a different way of thinking. And he's gonna lead the Big 12 into a different time with a different mindset not just to survive and keep the conference together, but to take this group that they're going to have now, starting next year with like 14 teams and a whole bunch of new members, gonna take them in a completely new direction and maybe in an aggressive path rather than a reactionary path like the Big 12 has been for the last year where they didn't know if they were going to even exist a year ago. Now they're gonna talk about 
expansion potentially more and, and more money and and moving up the food chain in conferences especially in the power five not just maintaining power five status but elevating it a little bit and and helping to the the big 12 to continue to be a major player in college athletics and i really think this brett yormark guy just might be the answer to all their their questions now again he's not going to be the first power five conference commissioner that has no college athletics experience previously george klievkoff the pac-12 commissioner was the same way and i think they hired him for the very same reason they saw the writing on the wall of what's to come and the changes that are coming rather quickly to college athletics not just in conference landscape but with nil deals and the transfer portal and they need someone with some outside experience to try and calm the waters and trudge forward for a group of what 12 schools in the pac 12 now is it or is it 14 i don't remember either way there's a large grouping of schools on the west coast that needed a leader and they got one from outside of college athletics and to be honest with you i would say despite the fact that the pac 12s on-field product in maybe football has lacked they have been right in the thick of things of just about everything else i mean they they were very competitive in basketball they have regular national champions in a lot of non-revenue sports but that all comes from success outside of those things and at the top levels of administration so the big 12 i think saw that little blueprint and took it molded it ever so slightly and now have turned it into something for themselves that can be a really viable option for a guy who's going to be starting here in a a matter of weeks with big 12 football media days and going to jump right in to football season almost immediately because with football media days being just a couple of weeks away that means football season is a month or two following that and that's not a lot of time to really get your feet wet before being right in the meat and potatoes of the most competitive sports season in the conference and and perhaps one of the most important football seasons in conference history because again you finally know this is the last year before you add these new members and in you know oklahoma and texas are in this interesting position where you you want to still lead for them but you're really more concerned with the future of the rest of the conference and the the performance of you know the oklahoma states the k-states the baylors iowa states those teams that's where you're really concerned with their continued development and their continued success even though for the next year or two you do still want oklahoma and texas to be widely successful because the more successful they are the more money this conference makes obviously with two major players that are eventually leaving you want to squeeze every last drop out of them that you possibly can so it's a really interesting time and it's an interesting hire and i will say uh if you're if you're the kind that likes to read some some in-depth articles about things like this check out the athletic you you got to read these things theathletic.com it's super cheap uh i know there's a paywall and a lot of people aren't aren't really fond of that but for what you get in terms of content there is nothing like this i mean I'm, i've been reading an article on brett yormark's hire and why it's such a a pivotal move for the big 12 put together by max olson matt fortuna and nicole auerbach all of the athletic and this thing is 
one of the more impressive articles that I have read in a long time. It came out yesterday, but if you want if you want in-depth information as to why the Big 12 made this move, that's the article you need to read. I can only provide so much in terms of trying to like relay this message, but if you want in-depth whys and how this might work and why the Big 12 thought this was a good idea, read this article on The Athletic. I cannot recommend it enough. But we got to get to our first break. When we come back, Lon Kruger got inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame officially yesterday. So we'll talk a little bit about Lon and some other uh, local people in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. But it, it brought up an interesting question for me because obviously Lon Kruger is a Kansan. He's a Silver Lake native for those of you uh, familiar with Mr. Kruger before his time both as a player and as a coach at Kansas State. Uh, but I'm curious if he is the most significant basketball player um, or, or Kansas basketball player, a kid from these, this state, um, of all time. Because there's some pretty impressive names when you really break it down. So I want to talk about that a little bit when we return. You're listening to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. In my home is the home health division of OCCK. They're your local provider for skilled nursing, home health aid, physical, speech, and occupational therapy, all provided in the comfort of your home. Choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality health services. In the last segment, we talked a little bit about the new Big 12 commissioner in Brett Yormark. Uh, But there was plenty of other news that happened yesterday as uh, Kansas State former basketball player and basketball coach Lon Kruger was named to the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. He played and coached at K-State during an amazing career through college basketball. He was among a group of nine people announced Wednesday to the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, And he's going to join the 2022 Hall of Fame induction class with John Beeline, as well as Jerry Krause, Richard Hamilton, Larry Miller, Frank Selvey, and the late Jimmy Walker as well. Uh, And in addition, championship winning head coaches Jim Calhoun and Roy Williams will also be formally honored after they were initially recognized as part of the Hall of Fame's founding class back in 2006. Uh, But just for a little bit of background on Lon Kruger, for those who may not know, he is, uh, again, a a native of Silver Lake, Kansas. He played at K-State, and then he later coached at K-State. And his connections to to K-State, I mean, in the Basketball Hall of Fame as well, he just adds to the list of names for the Wildcats that are in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, including Jack Gardner, Tex Winter, Rolando Blackman, and Bob Boozer. So that's a pretty incredible group uh, to be kind of tied with, not just in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, but uh, through K-State as well. He is one of only two individuals in school history to serve in three different capacities with K-State. First as a player from 71 to 74, then he was an assistant coach to Jack Hartman from 78 to 82, and then he was the head coach at K-State 
from 1987 to 1990. He was part of 227 victories during 11 years with K-State, which included nine NCAA tournament appearances and three Big 8 championships, which is pretty incredible. But again, as a Silver Lake native, he was a big-time high school athlete, a big get for K-State, obviously, when he got to the Wildcats and played for Jack Hartman, as we mentioned. But it got me thinking, as he's been acknowledged with this amazing honor to be inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame, that this state has had so many different high-level athletes on so many different sports, like basketball and football, obviously. Uh, But to have them inducted into the the Hall of Fame, that's a pretty high honor. And I was thinking of of some of the the most famous, most well-known athletes in Kansas history. And outside of, of Jack Hartman, I had a hard time coming up with others that really fit the bill. I mean, Jackie Stiles was certainly up there. She certainly has to be in that conversation. But I want to know what the general public thinks about the other high-level athletes from this state. I mean, other guys that really come to mind are guys like Darren Sproles and Jordy Nelson. Uh, I think there's certainly some promise for some other um, future athletes. I mean, Trevor Hudgens of Manhattan just recently signed a contract with the Houston Rockets. He had played at Northwest Missouri State and won multiple national champions championships at the D2 level. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious what, what our listeners have to say. So I'm going to prompt you all to, to tweet at me. Who are some of the best Kansas athletes of all time? I mean, it doesn't have to be sports specific, but I'm curious if I'm missing any. Because, uh, again, outside of guys like Jack Hartman and, and ladies like Jackie Stiles, uh, along with Lon Kruger, who, again, is means so much to the state and, and to communities like Silver Lake. I'm just curious who else is out there because I was going through the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame and obviously there's a ton of really important names and really notable athletes and coaches listed there, but uh, I, I, I want to include coaches too because that's part of this whole thing with Lon Kruger is he was not only an athlete, but he was a coach. So we'll, we'll broaden it just a little bit. Who are some of the most iconic coaches or athletes in Kansas history? Tweet at me, at jbain87, if you've got some good ones. Uh, another one that came to my mind just in kind of reading through all of this is, is Adolph Rupp. I mean, he won so many national championships at Kentucky, but he's a Halstead native. And they have the Adolph Rupp tournament there every year to commemorate him and, and what he meant to that community when he went on to all that success at Kentucky as their head coach. There's some really notable folks from this state. Another guy who I think is going to be certainly in the running for College Football Hall of Fame status, if he's not already, is Gary Patterson. TCU head coach, now he's on staff at Texas, which just seems gross and weird, but they moved on from Patterson this last season. But he elevated TCU to new heights through the the Mountain West and and through the Big 12 Conference and and won several bowl games. He's from Roselle, Kansas, little tiny Roselle. So I want to know, what do you think are some of those best coaches and athletes from this state? I think we can compile a pretty good list. But tweet at me, at jbain87. Let me know what you're thinking about those coaches and athletes, and maybe we can put together a segment for, for next week 
or, or maybe even tomorrow if we get enough responses by tonight, as some of the best athletes and coaches in Kansas history. Another uh, thing I did want to, to bring up is the recruitment of a certain area quarterback, a four-star uh, Elite 11 quarterback, Avery Johnson, is really heating up because he had narrowed his top three to Washington, Oregon, and Kansas State. And recently, as recently as yesterday, Washington gained a commitment from a three-star quarterback. So you'd think they wouldn't want to pull in, you know, another high-level quarterback. And that seems like it might narrow the decision just ever so slightly for Avery Johnson. Brings it to at least two options that seem more likely. But Oregon has also been favoring a different quarterback that they want to sign as well. So that starts to point things in the direction of Kansas State even further. But then, yesterday, this video really started to to circulate a little bit, but uh, it got put on Instagram Live uh, earlier this morning. But it's a video from last night, I believe, of Avery Johnson at the Elite 11 camp uh, tossing footballs and and going through a drill. Uh, But... I wanted to play it for you because there's some interesting background noise that I think a lot of K-State fans might like. So here's this video. I pulled it from KC Wright on Twitter. That's at Wright underscore KC. You want to give him his credit for the video. But again, this comes originally from an Instagram Live featuring Avery Johnson at the Elite 11 camp. There you go. I know you heard it. It's a video again of Avery Johnson completing some passes and going through a drill. It's like the tail end of the drill. You can hear it uh, where he's tossing into the end zone and they go crazy. All the other campers and coaches that are involved. But the thing that really sticks out, if you listen, if you listen, you can hear them saying, finish strong, K-State. They call him K-State. They're talking to Avery, calling him K-State. And if that's not a pretty good sign of where maybe his head's at and where he thinks he's probably committing to, boy, I tell you what, that is, a, in my opinion, a pretty darn good sign. He's officially going to announce his commitment on Tuesday. On July 5th, he's going to make his announcement, and it's going to be televised even, on CBS Sports. So I feel like that's a pretty significant recruit if you get it as if the ratings don't speak for themselves he is the number one player in the state for class of 2023 he is the number three player um in i believe in his region and and when you look at the quarterback rankings he's he's anywhere between 10 and 12 depending on the different publications that you look at and the the future casts are all pointing to K-State now. They've been updated. I'm looking at rivals as we speak, and it says 100% future cast to Kansas State. So that's all the rivals recruiting reporters and experts. There's also a fan future cast that's starting to tilt more in K-State's direction. It says 61%. 
Uh, but that's, again, just, just fans trying to make their predictions. But the one you really want to pay attention to is the future cast with the highly credible rivals reporters that have each of their beats they're really tied into and they're all pointing in the direction of kansas state but this is a guy who's got 24 total offers schools like arizona arizona state arkansas auburn florida state iowa state i mean the list goes on and on you talk about washington and oregon in that mix kansas is offered memphis minnesota ole miss missouri nebraska notre dame Tennessee, TCU, like the list is incredible. And with all of those schools listed, this kid seems to be leaning in the direction of Kansas State. And in a recruiting class of 2023 for Kansas State that is already among some of the best that this program has ever seen after the commitments of guys like Dylan Edwards and, and all the other players, like the receivers, and they got two defensive players on Tuesday, and they're just continuing to add to this list, and it's only getting better. I mean, 55th nationally, according to rivals for K-State, and if you add Avery Johnson to this mix, that's going to rock it up even further. And guess what? It's only June 30th of 2022. There's still so much time to continue adding other players. There's a couple of receivers in the state of Missouri that are narrowing their choices down and K-State is in the mix and some of those. And the a lot of these players, they want to play with a high-level quarterback. They want to come in with a high-level recruiting class to a program that seems to be on the rise. And that's K-State right now. How crazy is that? We've talked about K-State football and they're recruiting a lot over the last couple of weeks for good reason but that's only going to continue if this time on tuesday we're been, we're going to be talking about avery johnson's decision i mean this this is something that is is still just barely getting started but if you're listening to this and you're a k-state fan or you're an appreciator of of local sports whether that's high school or college you got to pay attention to this because this kid is is a spectacular talented quarterback out of maze and he wants to play potentially in state for the k-state wildcats and chris Kleiman. and man i gotta tell you it it would be very 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 exciting Speaking about the future of K-State football, if you talk about him complimenting the likes of the Dylan Edwards and all these other potential receivers, plus you add in the excitement of the defensive talent, they've added in a couple defensive backs, a safety, a couple linebackers, like the promise is there. So I'm just saying, let that stew on you for a little bit if you're a K-State fan, because you could be in for a pretty fun couple of weeks uh, and it all points to this kid Avery Johnson so make sure that you uh, take a look at that in the uh, coming days and especially on Tuesday afternoon but I would be doing a disservice to the other half of the state if I didn't address some KU football recruiting developments as well uh, because they also received a commitment earlier today, a guy named Lorenzo McCaskill, who was a second-team all-sunbelt linebacker last year at Louisiana. He, he has decided to transfer to Kansas, and he's going to be eligible this fall. He's a six-foot, 
220-pound linebacker. Uh, he led the Ragin' Cajuns with 84 tackles last season, played in 13 games, and he's going to be an instant impact linebacker for this Lance Leipold-led defense. Uh, he's the second linebacker who's decided to come to Kansas uh, in the last month even. Tristan Fletcher, who was a freshman last year at Trinity Valley Community College, transferred to KU earlier in June during an official visit. But I got, I got to say, Kansas is starting to piece together a nice little transfer class right now, using the portal to their advantage. Uh, they, they also are going to re uh, return three linebackers who started in games last year in Rich Miller, Gavin Potter, and Taiwan Berryhill. Uh, they added Fletcher, who we mentioned earlier, plus UCF's Eric Gilliard and Ohio State's Craig Young in uh, the previous months as well. So Kansas is almost overnight revamping its entire defense and, and several other position groups as well via the transfer portal. And I've talked very frequently with, with KU folks, guys that are tied in with that program, that feel very confident about this KU football program's opportunity in front of it right now because they're a team that competed very well at the tail end of last season obviously they won at texas but they fell just short of beating tcu and just short of beating west virginia well this year kansas has a real opportunity i think to win three or four games and to you the casual listener that may not sound like a ton but to kansas that is unbelievable right like considering the lows that they've had in recent years two years ago the last season under less miles they went 0-9 over the COVID season didn't win didn't even sniff a victory that year but I'm telling you this is a huge opportunity for the Jayhawks I think if they can win two of their three non-cons they get an F FCS game uh, if they can win against Duke at home if they can compete against Houston, I think we're going to feel pretty darn good about this Jayhawk team's chances of at least competing in the Big 12. And I've said it before on this show that competing is different than winning. Yes, but you have to compete before you can win. And in the past, when we've talked about Kansas, they haven't even been all that competitive. There were games last season and the early stages of Lance Leipold's tenure where KU was regularly beaten by an average score of like 41 to 7 or something like that. If you can move further away from that and closer to losing games 28 to 20, 28 to 24, like competing, one score games, games where you can tangibly see improvements and make a case for this team actually getting better, that's the launching pad you're looking for. Because it's not going to happen overnight. Regardless of how quickly you're adding talent, you're not going to just turn into a top 25 program overnight or to a team that can reach a bowl game overnight. But you can turn into a team that makes the rest of your conference sweat a little bit more than you have in the past. And that is a launching board that I think Kansas fans could feel really good about finding this fall, especially if they continue to develop their, their roster through the transfer portal and continue recruiting in a pretty decently strong way. I, I'm feeling pretty good about this Kansas team, and I'm excited to, to talk more about them in the coming weeks, again with Big 12 football media days right around the corner, and obviously that means that the football season itself is right around the corner, so it's only going to get more fun from here. But we had to touch on the Jayhawks as well in this uh, fun segment that we've had here on In the Zone. We got to take our final break, but when we come back, we'll send you into the weekend here on In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL.
segment of In the Zone here on a Thursday, and we're going to end on a hot topic. And I promise you, we will probably be discussing this thing tomorrow because I got a bit long-winded in that last segment talking some K-State, KU recruiting, and of course, the greatness of Lon Kruger as he's inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. But just across my desk not all that long ago, a a report from Bleacher Report just got put out, and it is taking off like wildfire. And it's stating that per John Wilner, the Pac-12 hotline, uh, a syndicated radio program, he's reporting that USC and UCLA have plans to move to the Big Ten as early as 2024, which seems pretty crazy on a multitude of levels. One, I feel like right now, there's obviously still some some reverberations from all the conference shifting that's happened in the last year, but we felt like things were calmed down. Like the Pac-12 didn't want to expand. They're in a really good spot. UCLA and USC both were in a really good spot uh, in the way that that current league is structured, but obviously the Big Ten is second in command in, in terms of conferences behind the SEC. Uh, but outside of the fact that this makes really no sense geographically, it makes a lot of sense financially because you've already got such a big gr- brand in the Big Ten that you add USC and UCLA, you grab the LA market, which is obviously massive, and you grab two really competitive programs. And I think that this Big Ten thing could become a very big player at the table when you talk about Power Five conferences and maybe eventually a change to maybe Power Four. There's that jostling at the bottom right now between conferences like the Pac-12 and the ACC and, of course, the Big 12. But right now, there's no real true position or rank order beyond one and two. And obviously, conference number two, the Big Ten, thinks they're not super far behind conference number one. I would argue the SEC is head and shoulders above the Big Ten, but with the addition of... USC or UCLA or both or maybe some more who knows if this is the last addition to that league because I would doubt that it is I would imagine that that financial compensation that comes with a league with members like that is going to skyrocket here in the very near future and there's going to be a lot of media outlets that want a piece of that pie and that is absolutely true Uh, I would imagine that there's a lot of other big-name programs and maybe even one that's currently an independent that also fits that Big Ten blueprint that might be getting some phone calls. And with the addition of UCLA and USC, maybe, just maybe, we could be hearing about a Notre Dame to the Big Ten as well. I would imagine that those two programs, as great as they are out in L.A., I would imagine they're not the only ones that the Big Ten is looking at to to continue to expand if they're adding brands like that. They're probably at tables discussing things with other places as well. And I would not be shocked if South Bend, Indiana had housed some of those meetings as well. So this is definitely not going to be the last. We hear about things like this, but I feel like... uh, Man, I, w- I wish this would I would have found out about this earlier in the show because we would have spent a lot more time on it. But I do know that our time is running thin on this Thursday. But again, I think we're going to have have a pretty hefty show on this 
uh, tomorrow because we we do have that luxury of having the Friday episode still in front of us as as much as today has felt like a Friday for me because nobody's around the office and it's really quiet. I do think that uh, it's only going to get better in terms of the content that we push out tomorrow building off of this because again, per John Wilner of Pac-12 Hotline, a, a syndicated radio program, that uh, USC and UCLA have plans to move to the Big Ten as early as 2024, as early as next year, like a year and a half from now. That, that could happen as a timeline. It could move up quickly, dependent on the, the size of the, the buyouts and everything. I really do think that this is something where a timeline could be greatly accelerated. And uh, <laughs> one of my buddies just texted me just now, my friend Jared, that uh, this is bad news for Kansas because it uh, it kind of brings up the fact that Kansas has thought that in the near future they might be a college program that the Big Ten gives a phone call to because of their basketball brand. And if they were able to elevate the football side of things, it would be a nice blueprint fit, a good geographical fit as well to, to grasp uh, a little bit more of the Midwest, the Kansas City market, and obviously the reigning national champion in basketball, that certainly helps your your argument as well. But if, if UCLA and USC are the first choices for the Big Ten, that doesn't look so great on Kansas. Credit to my friend Jared for bringing that up because it is a very, very valid point uh, with as much as college athletics are in limbo right now and the conference makeups and, and, and everything are, are changing, the landscape is is just barely solid if that i mean the big 12 just added a new commissioner yesterday and already the landscape is changing under his feet before he's even had his official introductory press conference or had his first meetings as the commissioner of the big 12 conference so uh, that is is certainly um we'll call it unexpected expectedly unexpected which is the world of sports these days because you always have to expect the unexpected to happen and boy oh boy usc and ucla to the big 10 is certainly something that i did not expect having to discuss at any point not not just in today's show but in this week or ever in this show that's not even a thought that i had remotely entertained until this point but clearly that is something that we need to be a lot more Um, prepared for, I guess, in the coming weeks and months. And and hey, like I said a a minute ago, if they're talking to USC and UCLA, they're talking to other schools too. So um, lots of things not certain in the college athletics world. But we'll certainly sit and wait eagerly to talk about it more tomorrow because we will be back for the final time this week at 5.15 tomorrow to send you into a holiday weekend. July will be here. We'll ring in a new month. We'll have a good time. Enjoy what I'm sure will be some fantastic weather to get out and about for the Independence Day weekend. But I am Jackson Schneider. That is going to wrap up our program for today. Again, if you missed most of the show earlier, be sure to check us out on Spotify at In The Zone on 1150 KSAL. You could just search In The Zone, and we are one of the ones listed right at the top. Grab a listen to that, like and subscribe, all that fun stuff, and never miss an episode of our live program because it's always there on demand with Spotify. We'll see you again tomorrow at 515 here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.